as we uh, as we begin worship this morning in this beautiful uh, Lenten Sunday morning, let's open with a word of prayer. Almighty God, you pour out the spirit of grace and supplication on all who desire it. Deliver us from cold hearts and wandering thoughts that with steady minds and burning zeal we may worship you in spirit and in truth. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. As we come to worship this morning, our help is in the name of the Lord, creator of heaven and earth. Grace to you and peace from God, our creator, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, peace be with you. My peace I give to you. Let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, to which indeed we were called into one body. The peace of Christ be with you. This morning we are called to worship, to focus our hearts and our minds in the worship of God with words from Psalm 86. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart to revere your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. Come, let us worship the Lord. Remember that our Lord Jesus Christ is able to sympathize with us in our weakness, since in every respect he was tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Please join me in our prayer of spiritual renewal. Let us pray. Almighty God, we come seeking your light and truth, yet scripture and experience teach us that we are people of darkness, prone to deceit. In the light of your holiness, help us to see ourselves as we are. Unmask our disguises, pierce our pretense. Help us to stand before you naked, but unafraid, trusting not in ourselves, but solely in the power of your love.
to cover all our offenses and to clothe us in the righteousness of Christ. Paul writes these words, Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away and everything has become new. All this is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Therefore in Christ we stand forgiven. Thanks be to God. Hear what our Lord Jesus Christ says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And so let us live. As we come to the reading of God's word, let us pray. Lift up your hearts. Let us lift them to the Lord, our God. Almighty God, you alone can bring into order the unruly wills and affections of sinners. Grant your people grace to love what you command and desire what you promise. That among the swift and varied changes of the world, our hearts may surely there be fixed where true joys are to be found. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Our first lesson comes to us from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 43, beginning at verse 16. And in this passage, the prophet calls us to not remember former things because God is about to do something new. Hear now the word of God. Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings out chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild animals will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, so that they might declare my praise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our gospel lesson comes to us from the gospel according to St. John, Chapter 12, beginning at verse 1 through 8. Hear now the word of God. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. 
There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There are only two times that we know of in the New Testament that Jesus is spoken of as being anointed. The first time is at his baptism, when he is anointed by the Spirit and the dove descends. The second is just before he proceeds into Jerusalem for his final days. This passage is probably one of the most erotic passages in the New Testament. Nard is a, an herb that they take the stem of the plant and make into a, almost a gel composition. It is a wonderful smelling herb. It has the same the smell, uh, comes from the same family as lavender. So if you've ever smelled lavender, you'll have some idea of what nard smells like. This perfumed ointment that Mary takes out of the box and alabaster box is mentioned in the Gospel of Luke. But she pours this over Jesus' feet and then wipes his feet with her hair. Now, if any of you have ever had someone rub your feet with oil, you know how sensual it can be. You know that it feels very, very good. It is very erotic it is very life-giving. It restores all, sense, all the sensory systems of our body. The Koreans have a system of massage that I remember receiving when I was a, a professor in Caracas. Um, they would literally take their thumbs and their fingers and work up and down your feet, and you could feel in various parts of your body the release of the stress and tension. is a marvelous, marvelous process. But our feet are one of the most sensitive parts of our body, even though all we do is walk on them. They are extremely um, erotic part of our body, and in this passage, Mary is doing something that is extremely erotic, using her own hair, letting it down, and using her own hair to wipe Jesus' feet. Now, that's hard for us because we come from a very strong Puritan reform tradition that says erotic is not good because anything that has to do with sexual impulse might, not get, us, might get us into trouble. So we're not going to talk about that. But it's very important to realize 
what is going on here. John is the author of this story, remember, and he's putting this together in a very special way for a very special purpose. What is he doing? Why does he make this part of his gospel? Now, Luke says that Jesus instructed them to never forget this story. Why? Why would Jesus never want us to forget what happened that day? This passage helps us to understand why we call the last days of Jesus' life the passion. What is passion? <coughs> Excuse me. When I mention passion, what do you think of? What's the first thing that pops into your mind? Emotions? Love? If I mention, mention the word passion to a bunch of college students, what are they going to think about? What's the first thing that's going to come to their minds? Say it. Your, mother, your grandmother would have said it by now. I tell you that, Tom. Maria would have said sex. Exactly. What is this all about? What is this passage? There are some people who completely, completely misunderstand why this is here and they go into the whole issue of being devoted to Jesus and loving Jesus. Yes, I understand all that. But why does John make this so important to the whole structure of his book? Why is she always remembered? Because, you see, this erotic energy that she is sharing with Jesus at this time is the same creative energy that Jesus Christ is about to pour out on the cross. It is the same regenerative energy that a mother experiences when she pushes the baby out. The baby which is the product of passion. What Mary is doing to Jesus is preparing him for this loving endeavor that he is about to embark on in Jerusalem where he will give up his very life in order so that you and I would be able to say at some point in the future, I am loved by God. Now we live in a day and age where really preachers don't have to preach about sin anymore. People know that the world is broken. You ask any young person today under the age of 30, and they will tell you the world is really screwed up. They know it. And they know it not only because the world is, but because their own lives are. No one needs to hear how broken we are. This message that Jesus is bringing to us it's a message of love. It says that no matter how broken our lives, no matter how broken we are, no matter how broken our world is, no matter how bad the system feels or looks or how badly we experience the corruption and the evil and the, the, the malignancy of our culture, in the midst of all that darkness, there is this powerful love that regenerates in us and gives us this sense of life everlasting.
when Judas erupts in the middle of this experience and says, Oh my word, why would you use such expensive perfume and ointment on him? You could have sold that for 300 denarii. You know how much 300 denarii was in those days? It was a whole annual salary. Okay? It would be an annual salary. A whole year's wages on one anointing. What is that all about? Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters in Christ, if someone loves you, knowing who you are and how messed up you are inside and how messed up our lives are inside and outside, if someone loves you that much, what would you pay? What would you give? What would you spread out and pour out in response to that kind of love? It is not insignificant that the only other place that this kind of action, this erotic action is associated with nard is in the book of the Song of Solomon. The marriage handbook of the Old Testament. A book that the Puritans said was one of the holiest books ever written on the pen of human beings. Why? Because it's all about the love between a man and his woman. The groom and his bride. The husband and his wife. It's all about that erotic energy that comes from love that springs into new life. As we begin to get ready for Holy Week, we're getting to the end of Lent. This is the last Sunday. Next Sunday we'll celebrate Palm Sunday. It's important for us to realize that this time is not so much about beating ourselves up in the mea culpa thing and, and what we don't eat or what we do eat or what we don't do or what we, don't, or what we do do but it is a time to remember how deeply, how so very deeply, you are loved by Jesus Christ. Can you smell that? Can you smell in the silence the beauty of that kind of love? What does that smell like? Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, rather than being up there and out there somewhere, we are delighted. We are thrilled that you live in us and among us. In this regenerating love that enables us every day find joy and purpose and meaning and significance and hope. We rejoice in this gift and ask your Spirit's continued guidance in focusing and investing this life energy 
in the world in which we live, in our families, in our workplace, in our schools, in our community. We pray these things through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. It's creed as we confess our faith. Together saying, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. At this time, we return to God a portion of the abundance that God has poured out in our lives for the purpose of the mission of God in this world and in this place at this time. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to offer thanks and praise. God of all mercies, we give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all people. Give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth your praise not only with our lips but in our lives by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be all honor and glory now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Most of you, I believe, know by now that uh, on March 5, my mother passed. The flowers that grace the communion table today are presented in her honor uh, and in her memory by three, her three girlfriends from Grove Church in northern New Jersey. And when she came to live with us there, these three ladies would take her on shopping trips every, every once in a while and run around the the metropolitan area together. Um, it makes me very happy to see them remembering her in this way. Um, you all know uh, that it has been a difficult time uh, for us, and um, I appreciate your prayers and your cards and the thoughts that you have sent to us uh, via email, etc. Um, the other thing that uh, you're always, or you're, you're apparently aware of today is that Marilyn is not playing the organ. She's playing the piano, and there's a reason for that. Marilyn, would you like to... She's going to do her little thing. Now, when you look at the piano, there's one keyboard, and we call it a keyboard. Nothing happens to that keyboard unless you put your finger on one of the notes, and then a sound will come out. The organ is different. The organ that we have up there has three of these keyboards, three for the hands and one for the feet. So there are four of them. They're also smaller. There are 36 white keys on each of these keyboards or manuals. The piano has 52. Nothing will happen to make a noise on those keys unless you turn the organ on. So this morning when I turned the organ on, I got it. F that's sounding very loud and I can't stop it because what happens is there is a bank of little white levers about this big, this wide, 
that have a German name on them. There's a bank of maybe 10 here, 10 for that manual, another 10 for that manual, and some for the pedal, plus more than that. Sometimes something, when I push one of those down, I'm supposed to be able to play. This morning the organ played all by itself, and I could do nothing to stop it. And the piano, the organ man was here on Thursday, and I spent some time with him, so it worked on Friday, it worked after that, so he'll have to come back and look at that. The reason I'm saying this is that we have been told we have to do something to get the organ to stay on tune. I might tell you that at one time, well, let me go back. When every one of these, there are 30 of these little white things on that organ up there, probably more for mixtures. For each note, each of these white little pistons is called a rank. Our organ has 30 ranks. In each rank, there are 61 pipes. That means up in there, those two chambers, putting them together, there are 1,800 pipes. That's a lot of pipes, and people say, it can't be. Well, it is. And if th those go all the way down, up to, down to the ceiling, the longest pipe up there is probably 18 feet. And I have a tiny little one here. This is a cute little thing. I just took it off my wall. Many years ago, they changed some of the wood ones to metal ones, and they tried to sell them and nobody wanted them, so I took about six of them. And this is another size. I have much bigger ones at home too, but you can see what they're like. Most of the pipes up there, I would say, there are very few wooden ones left, are tin or zinc or something or other, and you can't see them because they're back in those chambers there. And the chamber doors are locked so that you can't just wander in there. There was a time when we'd have a siphon like this that people of the church would go up there and try to find what note it was that was doing that. So they'd be lifting these pipes. And when they lift them, they change the, the tone of the, of the note. So that was a no-no. If it sticks, we just have the organ person come back and take care of that. So that's why there are so many problems with an organ. It isn't a simple machine that volunteers can go up and say, well, I think we'll fix it. My family is going to fix the console because there's a big part like this that the me mechanics go into, and from there it goes to the pipes. And the, the uh, um, I don't know, what do you call that? The, the um, guy, what, the roll top that comes down has cracked. The backing is so old, it has dried out. So we're going to be removing that and putting a new backing on that. And that will be our contribution so that we don't have to pay the organ people to do that. I discussed it with them on Thursday, and they showed me exactly what to do, and that was a good idea. So we're going to be doing that. If he comes, he comes periodically to keep the organ in tune, when the pipes are very cold, that means in the 50s, they tend to make the tone of the pipe flat. They seem to uh, constrict. When it's warm, then the tone will become a little flat, as sharp. So it's best if the organ stays in the early, I say the early 60s, the low 60s, 
the church stays that way. And during the week, it can be lower. It's just going to take a little while longer for those pipes to get warm. So it doesn't ruin the pipes. It just takes a little longer for it to function so that you can't come to church on Sunday morning and say, I'll whip up the thermometer, so the thermostat, so that it gets warmer, so it'll be fine by the time the church start, the service starts. It won't happen. It takes longer than that. But anyway, there's a lot of things that can go wrong on an organ. Um, when I push down the Leblique Cadet on a, on a stop, that means that that tone is going to come through, and I can make it like a, a harp or a, a flute. No percussions. There aren't any percussions on this organ. And it's run by electricity. So if the electricity goes off, we have no organ either, where you always can play the piano. If you're ever interested, in the basement is a huge, huge motor, gigantic motor, and that's in the basement down uh, off that hallway. And the chambers upstairs are the chambers upstairs are locked. If you ever want to see the pipes, I can show them to you. The problem, as the, we all know for many years, has been that. Those two chambers up there have louvered doors on the front so that when they're open, the sound from the organ pipes can come out. When I want it to be quiet, I close those boxes with my feet, and then it's flat, so you can't hear so much. Many years ago, before I even started playing this organ, the church was painted, and they painted with a spray painter up there, and instead of closing those louvers, they had them open. And I know that having them open makes it nicer for painting, but it was bad because the paint got into that, into the pipes, and there are leathers that help the, keep the tone of the pipe, and they became saturated with paint. Nothing was ever done. We should have had those people come back and clean it up, but they never did anything about it. And as time went on, that paint just got hard, hard, harder and harder until it starts flaking off the leather, so then the leather disappears. Some of that would be much too costly for us to fix. There are little things that he can start fixing. He can get into the council and make the um, connections a little better. In today's world, if we were going to redo that organ totally, and we call the um, a re not a remaking, I forget what word they call it. But in order to do remake an organ, which they do, it costs $20,000 per rank. So there is no possibility that we could ever have that refurbished totally. But we could have some other things done. And talking to the organ person on Thursday, it was, I, I love it when he's here. I try to get here when he is here. He's at the organ playing these notes, and his daughter Allison is in the chambers finding those notes, and she knows where they are. They, it's just amazing to me. And so I watched him make it a little sharper, that one note diapason was a little flat. And I said, the one diapason, I can't get any note on D. He says, okay, we'll find it. And he finds it. And they do a little movement, and there we have the, the note comes through. It's a very complicated thing. It's, it's really fun if you know, I don't know how they know what they're doing. Because I look at those pipes, and they're all different kinds of sizes. And they have all, you can't even see them from here. 
in some churches, some of the older churches particularly, you'll see up in the, up by the pulpit in the back, they'll have uh, some pipes up there, and they look so beautiful. They're all the same size. They aren't real pipes. They're there for show. <laughs> they're not doing anything, but they're there so that you can see the church has a pipe organ. Fortunately, the pipe organs now are run by electricity. When I was in high school, I went with my brother-in-law in Canada to Alberta, and he was preaching in a church, and he said, you want to play for me the Dutch Psalms? And I said, fine, which was no problem. But one of the churches had, one of the kids in the back had to do the bellows with his feet. And that was quite an experience because I was playing and I had to depend on whether he was going to be bellowing me or I couldn't do anything. It was really a good experience. But this is very good. But when I turned the organ on this morning, I got the, I could find the note F, but I can't begin to figure out where it is, so I had to leave it. And it didn't stop until I turned it off. The interesting thing is when I push these little levers, it doesn't matter which one I push, the F will always be there, so we know it's an, uh, a node. So anyway, we're going to be collecting money for the organ fund to see if we can make some of these little changes grad gradually so that it can stay on tune. We can never do the organ and the piano together in a duet because they cannot be tuned together. Um, the organ has its own tuning and the piano has its own, and it's no way we could make them both alike. So we did it one time, and then we decided it was too out of tune, so we never did it again. But I'm asking you to keep in mind when they're asking for money for the organ, that's a complicated business, but we're hoping we can get something done with it so that this doesn't happen quite as often. We haven't had it happen for a long time, so that's been good. So if you have any questions, you can ask me afterwards, or you want to go up to the organ choir loft with me sometime, you're very welcome to do that. Thank you. The pipes in the organ are kind of like us. Everyone's different. Everyone has its own tune. It's unique. It's a unique note. And we are all unique selves. Uh, we come now to the point in our service where we share in, in prayer together because that is our work of worship. And I want to give you opportunity to share the concerns in your heart and mind. Before we do that, I want to welcome um, Manny and his lovely wife, Anne, who are here with us today uh, representing Kiwanis of New Brunswick. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the people in our club are Christians who worship on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. When we go to the temple or we go to a a mosque, it's on a day when we all can do that. So we go as this big group of people. Um, Manny is not clergy, so he is able to be with us. He's the president of the, of the Kiwanis Club. And uh, this is something we do in Kiwanis on a, on a, not a regular basis, but a routinely, routine basis, uh, go visiting different houses of faith. And so we're glad to have you today uh, to join with us in worship, and uh, we, we uh, appreciate your participation. So as we come to prayer time, we want to give you opportunity to share names or concerns uh, of praise or th thanksgiving or petition before we uh, join together in prayer. Loving God, we thank you today for Jesus Christ and for the work that he accomplished on our behalf, a work of genuine and sincere love for each of us. Out of that love, we ask, O oh Lord, that you now hear our prayers that we have raised 
for both those that we are concerned about, for ourselves, for our families and friends, for our community. We thank you, O Lord, for the way you have answered prayer in providing uh, employment for Andres in the next four years, for giving opportunity to, to Felipe. Um, and we ask, O Lord, that you would continue to uh, honor our earnest prayer uh, on behalf of our community. And we ask, Lord God, today uh, that uh, you would also hear our prayers for our own country. Um, these are still difficult times for many people looking for, looking for employment, looking for opportunity and career development. And we ask, Lord God, that you would be with all those who are searching for employment. We pray, Lord, for those who are still struggling um, financially. We ask your blessing upon them. We also pray, O oh Lord, for those who are homeless and without place, uh, aware of their uh, various needs and, and difficulties. We pray for them and lift them up to you. We also ask, O oh Lord, that you would continue to bless and look upon us and our ministry here at Second Reformed Church, that you would continue to guide and direct our our ministry, and we also pray for the Classes uh, Community Development Corporation as it begins uh, its endeavors into the future as well. We ask your blessing upon the planning that was done yesterday, and, and we look to you for guidance and direction there. We thank you for the Kiwanis Club and for its uh, multifaceted uh, ministry to those people in our community who are in need, and we thank you for Manny and his leadership and the leadership that uh, our club has done in uh, providing funding for various programs for children, adults, and older adults as well. We thank you, O Lord, for this time together in worship before you, and we rejoice to know that you have been with us and continue with us in all ways. We know this because we pour out our hearts before you in prayer as Jesus Christ instructed his disciples to pray, boldly saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Today is St. Patrick's Day, and there is a huge celebration being planned in the coffee lounge across the way. So I invite all of you to stay and join. It's a bit of a celebration for the Kiwanis visit, but also um, this is Kathleen's favorite holiday. So it's big time decoration and goodies. Huh? One of her favorite holidays. So we invite you to come and enjoy immediately after the service. Please, uh, let's close together in seeing hymn number 130 in the green hymnal. back into the world from our worship. We ask as we go that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit go with us now until Christ returns in glory and then forever and all God's people said.
like it's the middle of, I don't know, February. Yeah. <laughs> so cold.